And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Well, several agricultural products on the market are made from naturally occurring organisms that could potentially enhance crop health and fertilizer uptake for corded soybeans. Dan Kaiser is a nutrient management researcher with the University of Minnesota Extension Service. He gets a lot of questions about these products and has concerns about their performance consistency in different environments. The thing that I've been struggling with is consistency of, of seeing how these products work over consistently across environments. We just don't see it. So that's kind of the main thing that looking at growers, what they see in trade magazines isn't necessarily what I see in the research end. A lot of that is I think a lot on how some of these things are tested. So that's a big thing I stress to growers. If you are testing these things, make sure that you're setting up what you're testing in a way that you can separate out the effects of a particular product and what it's supposed to do. There's ways you can set things up and it looks like it might be working, but it may not be working just because the experiments aren't set up properly. He says they've been testing a lot of biological nitrogen fixers. These biological end fixers have been easier because they've been targeted towards one thing, but a lot of the stuff in the past hasn't necessarily been targeted. It's just supposed to do things that enhance plant growth, which could increase nutrient uptake. So again, that's things that are really hard to measure. And that's kind of the thing that's really hard to prove sometimes if you're looking at what these things are doing, that they're actually doing it just because a lot of the claims are pretty broad in terms of the overall effect of a particular product. While Kaiser is testing the products to see if the claims match up to the performance, he says there is some promise to them. The issue is with any of these biological products is that once you put them into the field is they're going to be a benefit of it because you can't really predict what's going to happen. I mean, it's a living organism, so you don't know, is it alive when you apply it? Are the conditions optimal for it to colonize? Does it do any better than the native microbes that are out there? I mean, there's a lot of questions in terms of what happens post-application. So while a lot of these things are built around some sort of sound scientific concept, all bets are off once you get to the field. And the biologicals are designed to supplement a complete fertility program, which Kaiser says is where farmers want to concentrate their spending. I would not be sacrificing dollars I would invest in my fertilizer program for these things. I would be taking care of getting those things optimal and then maybe look at these things as an added benefit because the overall return on investment is going to be the probability you're going to see something is going to be relatively low. Make sure you've got the table set very well with your nutrient management and then these things, if you've got some money or you want to try something, that's something then you can kind of go beyond that. But don't forget about your standard fertility program when you're making these decisions. And again, that's Dan Kaiser with the University of Minnesota Extension Service. Well, the Environmental Protection Agency released its renewable volume obligations with lower numbers than expected for 2024 and 2025. Brooke Miller, Executive Director of the Advanced Biofuels Business Council, says it's a step back from the EPA's initial proposal. Locking down a multi-year rule is a positive. We've never had multi-year certainty in this program, so the markets are eventually going to benefit from that. And then the second positive is we're locking down the end of the era of small refiner extension abuse that has been a problem for this industry since 2016. So that's sort of the upside. The flip side is some of the aggressive biofuel components of the proposal were lost in the final. 
it's not totally uncommon that we have some sort of mediation that goes on at the highest levels of government on this. We did back off on some of the conventional biofuel volumes, and there is an ongoing concern that the build-out of the renewable diesel markets and biodiesel markets will exceed the volumes contained in the RVO, which of course would create supply problems going down the line. So we think some of the advanced biofuel numbers could have been more aggressive. He talks about why the final numbers weren't as high as the initial EPA proposal. The optical reason is the White House and EPA tabled their plan to incorporate ERINs or RINs for biomass to electric vehicles. And so there were a lot of RINs, a lot of gallons in the proposal that just sort of came out by virtue of the fact that they tabled that proposal. So there's an optical component to this that's not being discussed, and that is why did the numbers come down? That's the number one reason. The substantive reason is, in particular, the White House is grappling with the degree to which it wants to lean into biodiesel and renewable diesel volumes in the context of the incentives that it has for these fuels and the Inflation Reduction Act for sustainable aviation fuel, the clean fuel production credit. And so it's a layered consideration now. And I think they sort of were overly cautious on that particular element of it. Looking to the future of biofuels, Miller says the White House has some important decisions ahead. The Biden administration has a lot of important decisions to make in the next couple months. It has to make decisions about the degree to which biodiesel, renewable diesel, ethanol is eligible for some of the tax credits that were passed as part of an Inflation Reduction Act, the degree to which they're going to lean into alcohol to jet, renewable diesel to jet for the sustainable aviation fuel targets that it's established, which are very, very aggressive. And so inside the lines on some of these regulatory decisions, that will determine the degree to which the biodiesel, renewable diesel industries and, and the ethanol industry meet these targets for growth and get to the next level in terms of their importance for U.S. energy security. And again, that's Brooke Miller with the Advanced Biofuels Business Council. And finally, earlier this month, the Federal Reserve decided to pause interest rate increases. Missouri Extension agricultural economist Ben Brown says the Federal Reserve has done exactly what it said it was going to do. The market and a lot of traders largely had you know priced in decreasing interest rates at the back end of this year. You know, the market had always kind of been wrong, even though the Federal Reserve had told them what they were going to do. And, and as a market economist, I don't say that very often. The market's never wrong is what we usually say. But this was a prime case where the Federal Reserve has done what it says it's going to do. Most surprisingly, Brown says the Federal Reserve said there would be two more interest rate hikes this year. That's unique because normally the Federal Reserve comes out and says economic conditions continue to exist that would suggest increases in the future. So it's kind of broad. And the fact that they came out and said not one, but two interest rate hikes later this year, it signals to me that the Fed is very serious about not repeating the issues of the early 80s when the Federal Reserve eased too early and inflation came roaring back. The good news for consumers is food inflation is starting to come down, but there are some areas of concern. We're starting to see some easing there. We've got you know, inflation potentially in what we call the post-farm gate, so the packaging, the employees, the transportation. That all kind of still exists there, and there is concern in that fuel sector to where you know OPEC has announced their cuts for the summer. We've seen fuel prices rise just a little bit, so still fighting that battle. And once again, that is Missouri Extension agricultural economist Ben Brown. 
Well, that is going to do it for this episode of American Ag Today. As always, we appreciate you joining us here on the program. If you have story ideas, story pitches here for the program, you could send them to me very easily via email, Allen at AmericanAgNetwork.com. That's J-E-S-S-E-A-L-L-E-N at AmericanAgNetwork.com. You can send your story ideas there, and we can definitely take a look at getting those on a future episode of American Ag Today. American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a fantastic rest of your day.